Praise the Lord. I do praise him for your willingness to participate and partner with the Father in this miracle that he's working among his saints. And every, everything we've known over the years has just been one miracle after another. I, I wonder sometimes if uh, we really recognize how, how much of a blessing it has been to walk this pathway in the nations. Um, and it's, it's a really only begun. So I thank you for that partnership and I thank the Father for the privilege of enjoying that with him. And as Les prayed uh, just a minute ago, I, I, uh, I affirm the, the flow of healing throughout our network, uh, throughout the saints, uh, bodies of the saints. And for anybody else who's joining with us today who may not be in the saints network currently, we just release the measure of healing uh, that God, only God can give. You know, I, I, I asked for a visitation of the Spirit on Monica back there, that, that he would restore uh, your, your strength in your arms and your, and your muscles and your joints. And for uh, Winford, that God would just take you into a, a new dimension of health and life and vitality. And for, you know, for anybody else who is in need of a touch in their body today, that, that God would would release that. You know, we know that uh, Monica McNatt and Stacy both are battling against, during this pandemic season, we release healing. And, and as Les said, that the power of the Lord would make itself known and that he would preserve all of us from um, any kind of debilitating uh, visitation of sickness. We, we just stand above that and we command it to be gone as a mountain that needs to be removed. And, uh, we're in agreement with that. Amen? Ah, the rain has started, so I guess I better. Um, today, I felt that the Lord was leading us to a discussion about our faith and, and really what, what he has given us in his word and and the, the absolute necessity to, necessity to continue to believe that. And I believe that we could all agree that over this past year, many of the things that we have held dear have been shaken. There have been things that have occurred, not only in our nation, but across the world, or in our individual lives, that really has tested who we are. And, and I believe that even though the circumstances were not created by God, the opportunity to overcome is a divine opportunity. And our integrity and the basis of who we are is not really tested during the good times. It's, uh, it's the difficulties of life that really test who we are and who we say we are. And when you encounter a difficult situation, you know, it's been said that one of three things happen. Uh, you'll either be destroyed by it, 
you'll either begin to pattern it or you'll be strengthened by it. And we're not destroyed and we're not, we're not, we've not been changed into the image of the world. We're coming through some very challenging times strengthened and prepared for what is coming. But God promised that in the time of the end, he would shake us. Now, all things will be shaken, and only that which is absolutely um, founded upon the rock of who he is will be, will be standing. And it has really caused me, uh, on behalf of our, our network of saints around the world, to consider what are the essential things that we as saints have been given. We've been given a lot of things. We've been given, we've been given wonderful points of, of blessing and understandings. And, and they're all based on the word. But there are some of those that are the tether points. There are some of those that are the foundational points. And those are the rock upon which we are based. And so I was also studying this week about uh, that wonderful promise in Isaiah 28 where um, uh, we have the, 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 the precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And I was doing a, a much deeper study. What we've said about it has been true, but a much deeper study on what precept really means. Yes, it does mean a, a more of a doctrinal viewpoint. And line upon is, is those progressive teachings that are based off of that. But precept, at its, at its deepest root, is something that a father or the head of a house, whoever that might be, would speak to those who live in that house, particularly their children and grandchildren. And, and then it was also extrapolated out that if there was somebody who was the landowner or somebody who owned a business and had people working for them, words that would come from that owner to those that were under them would be a, a precept. So the basis of it was relationship. The basis of a precept is, is on understanding the flow pattern of authority. And then the line upon line <clears throat> are those things that feed off from that. But you can't have the line upon line without that measure of, of, uh, of relationship. And even you look at what Abraham did in the first instance of righteousness in the scripture where God had Abraham out, in, on his, uh, out apart from everybody else, and you know the story, um, where God is showing him things, and then Abram believed God, Abraham Amon. He, he accepted what was being said prophetically from the right hand, and God counted that as righteousness. And the word for translated as count there is something that, is a foundational thing upon which something is woven or something is created outwardly. 
And, but it's from that point of relationship with God, which is what faith is. And then righteousness is built by that. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans about Abraham and some of those passages that maybe, if truth be known, you might have just read but just kind of skipped over. Uh, where he's talking about Abraham and the things that are done by faith and the things that are done that then generate grace and how that there are others who do things uh, that are works on behalf of religion but are not based on faith. And you know, grace doesn't move in them. You know, Paul specifically says that. But the only thing that causes you to move forward in God and to achieve new things in him is by having that basis of relationship with God through which then your works go out. And so I think that essentially over this past year, God has been testing all of those things in us, both of those factors. The one is, who are you in God? Are you seeking him every day? Are you communing with him personally? And that's been something that has been being strengthened. The intent of God has been to strengthen that. Much like an, an athlete doesn't just go out onto the field and start kicking a ball around in a game. You practice. You rehearse. I mean, I was watching... Uh, you get tired of me talking about the BBC, but I was watching... Um, they had a special on the team from Liverpool that was getting ready to... to to participate in some tournament. And you can see these guys that are making millions of dollars a year to play ball. And they're from all over the Commonwealth nations. And they're out there just doing these crazy exercises and they're just all doing them. And I'm thinking, wait a second, you, you're the most talented players in the world. I mean, why don't you just, just kick the ball to each other? You know, why aren't you just using your talents right now? No, they're, they're getting ready. They're strengthening themselves. They're developing themselves. And then that helps them to achieve their goal. And I, I believe that God has been testing his saints while they've been in isolation, while they've been quarantined, while they've been at home, to really say, uh, are, are, is your faith based on what happens just when we come here and we're all moving and shaking together? Or are you able to seek the heart of God and touch him for yourself and let him speak to you where you are. That's foundational. And then our issues of, of, uh, of praying in diversities of tongues and being on our face and getting into the word, those are, those are foundational. And those have been being shaken. How could they be shaken? Well, some have been shaken over the past year because they're out of their routine. You're out of the routine, you know. You don't have to get up and, you know the deal, I don't have to spill it out. You're just used to being at home. You know, you can fall into a lot of bad habits just being at home. I mean, you could, you could just, oh, well, you know, I don't need to do, I, you know, I could do this and I could do this. Oh, we've got to do this over here, you know. And pretty soon you lose that regimen of the hour of the Lord. And it's not because you don't love him. It's because you need to prioritize that. It doesn't just happen. It, 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 uh, it, is, it is something that must, it's being shaken. Is it going to still be there after the shake? Now, others have stopped 
doing that because they just can't understand why God did this or why God allowed this or why these ones over here are doing this. God spoke a lot about this to Micah, and he spoke a lot about this to Malachi, where people say, well, I just don't understand these wicked ones over here. They're doing that. Look, you're blessing them. Look where, they're, look where they are. And God says, your words have been stout against me. And, uh, you know, I have to admit that, you know, there's some stout thoughts that, not against God, but there's some real stout thoughts I've had over the past year. And, and then I have to just draw back and say, What's foundational in my life? I, the, I'm trusting God. He's in control. But those things have been shaken, and some folks have encountered that same regimen of issues and just given up. And I'm not faulting anybody. What I'm saying is we have to be very careful that the things that are essential to us in God, as they're being shaken, that they remain. And, and this, is, this is a theme through Scripture. So God says in the time of the end, he's going to cause everything to be shaken. And we have, to, we have to guard over those things that are, that are absolutely essential in God. And, you know, you might, we're going to do this on behalf of the network. I don't know when. Uh, it's something we're going to be working on. But you may want to just at some point in the next couple of days list the things that between you and God are essentials as saints. And really um, see if you've been guarding over them. You know, I just look, you know, we talked about Olivia Zephus teaching intercessors about proscuneo. Is that essential for you? If the Father looks for that, if the Father searches for that, it ought to be essential. You know, we read those passages about the, the servant being asleep when the master comes, or, you know, the master comes at an hour they think not, and they're caught off guard. Well, what does the master want of us? If there's one thing he's searching for, which Jesus made abundantly clear in John 4, it's that. Is that essential to you? And if, if not, why not? Um. The Apostle Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than any of you. Can that be said of you? Well, of course, you're not, you're not up against the Apostle Paul right now, but, you know, is that an essential thing in your life? Because all the things we see in the Scripture that say happen when you pray in unknown tongues and when you pray in diversities of tongues, we need those things. And only God and you know whether you have made that an essential part of who you are. For the saint, that should be, that should be, <laughs> that shouldn't even be up for debate. But over this past year, you know, you know, the kids were in part of a, a production at their school the other day, and one of the songs they sang was L-A-Z-Y. And, and I think maybe we should do a prophetic song about that, you know. Um, we've got to be careful. I've got to be careful. I'm not preaching at you. I mean, I'm physician heal myself. What things are essential? And to me, understanding the principles that God has shown us in a line-upon-line way. You know, the beauty of a line-upon-line is that that word is also used to describe the plumb line, that we're supposed to be judging what God is wanting in heaven on earth. And if you're not functioning in precept, I would wonder how 
cockeyed your plumb line may be. <laughs> you know? You're building crooked like the old Six Flags house where you walked in and everything looked like it was this way. I think they got rid of it. It wasn't tech enough. But it was really kind of odd. You'd walk in there and you'd think, well, man, this is strange. And I wonder about the, uh, you know, I remember when I was growing up, uh, my father would, one of the jokes in the house that he, he would try to do anything. And he was really good. He was an electrician in a steel mill only having gone through sixth grade, which was kind of a fascinating thing, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's, it's kind of strange. But a lot of times, you know, they didn't have any money, so he would, do, he would just do things. And he built this porch. I helped, and I helped. And he built this porch. And, and it, it was fine, but it kind of was tilted. And, and it, my sister would come and, She'd look at it this way, and nobody would ever say, yeah, Dad, this porch is, what were you going to do about it then, you know, jack up the one side? So anyway, um, if you, do you have a crooked porch? <laughs> I mean, is your plumb line aligned out of relationship with God? So those are essential things, and there's a lot of stuff. There are a lot of things that are essentials for saints, and we need to, nobody else is going to guard over them with you. And, and, and I, I say this to all of us, we're emerging from this season, and I thank God, and we, we, we recognize that God has been doing us a major favor over this past year to strengthen us. We've not been defined by this, we've not been destroyed by this, we've been strengthened by this. And, and it's, it's, it's upon that foundation that God has tested and found sure that he's going to build further. Uh, and I know that, I know that um, we're in the timetable of God. I believe that God is going to open, open the windows of opportunity, and we've got to run through them. I mean, we don't know how much time that window's going to be open. Uh, the, the night is coming. There's, there, it's, it's like a swing, which Daniel speaks about, where the saints of the Most High are overcoming, and then they're caused to be overcome, and then they overcome again. And you read those things, and you think, how in the world, God, are you letting that happen? We're living that right now. We're living that. And you think, man, we've seen such incredible advances. Look, for instance, just one thing. Look at these peace accords that are happening between the Israel and, and these Arab nations. And then, boom, 2,500 rockets being launched into Israel. I mean, what happened? How did that happen? And we could speak about it politically, but, but for us, we need to take advantage of what God gives us and work for the night's coming because we have no idea how long that window of opportunity will be. We've been cut off from travel for the past year. We've been cut off from places and bases around the world where God had positioned us for great expansion over this past year. We were stopped in track. We couldn't go. I'm not that good of a swimmer to be able to, to, to navigate the Atlantic and uh, to, to bust through the borders, you know. My, my visas would be all wet. But, you know, the point, though, is, is that that door's going to open, and we've got to move in obedience to God. But we're, we're, we're being prepared for that. So we don't want to be like the, the foolish ones who, 
You think, oh, the Lord's delayed to coming, you know. And then when it's time, we don't have any oil. And we're running around, ah, you know, and we miss it. I don't want to miss it, do you? So I think it's probably, speaking of missing it, I don't want to preach a sermon and miss the scriptures that you have on the sheet there. <laughs> what do you think, Cece? Is it time to go into scripture? That was a good lesson today. Everybody needs to listen to the Wisdom Seekers class. Okay, Hebrews 12, uh, verses 22 through 28. You are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaks. For if they escape not who refused him that spoke on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven." And this word, yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken, saluo, may remain. Wherefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved, asyaluo. Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Um, those things which cannot be moved. We, we must preserve those because in accordance with what I said earlier that Paul taught about Abraham, that measure of faith and that measure of being unshakable, unmovable during the shaking is what grace is built off. That's why Paul says here, or, or the writer of the Hebrews says, we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved, so let us have grace. This is an important topic for us. As we emerge out of this season where restriction has been, uh, what has been shaken in our lives? And we need to make sure that the things that are rock solid are preserved and not allowed to atrophy or not to allow to be abandoned because from that, grace builds, and from that relationship with God, uh, we receive all the line upon lines. We receive all of the, all of the things that, um, that God builds upon. And um, with the expansion that's coming, with the expansion that is on the doorstep, we must secure the things that are un uh, unwavering that the time of shaking has tested and only you can prove that now I know in the old days maybe we would have had uh, a sign-up sheet and everybody had to come into the office area and have an evaluation done of where you are uh, that, those were when you were in kindergarten now you're not and we need to look and see what God would say Let's look at 1 Timothy 3, verses 15 and 16. 
But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Man, oh man, that is a string of, um, of essential principles. But let, before we look at them, the, the pillar and ground of the truth, the pillar, of course, is that stelos that connects heaven and earth. We've taught on that. That's the word, stelos, where, where something is a conduit, a flow. It's not load-bearing. It's like the cane. It's like the cane. It's like the... the, it's like the the uh, the reed, and but but the the pillar is put upon the the ground. That that's an interesting word. The pillar and ground of the truth. If you establish a pillar, you got to make sure that the grounding of it is right. The pillar and ground, and it's that same principle: the precept and the line. It's that same principle the foundation upon which grace then is, 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 uh, is grow, growing upon. And you have to you have, to have that. Uh, the, the pillar and ground of God's truth, those things that he's revealing that have been hidden. And, and I think, just look at how Paul goes off. He said, you know, if I'm tarrying, if I'm, if I'm waiting, um, it may be, to test how you're behaving in the house of God. <laughs> are, are you doing these things? I think that's a very interesting concept that Paul is saying here. Great is the mystery of godliness. There's, there's mystery. There's our, there's our progression of how God is revealing his truth. And then he speaks about God coming in the flesh, how he de demonstrated righteousness in the spirit, how he moved with the angelic, and then how the Gentiles were reached out to, and then how the world began to receive it, and, and how the glory of God was patterned by Jesus, but now is, is possible for all of us to participate in. That's a pretty good progression. Um, each one of those we could pick apart and say, how does the mysterion of godliness come? Well, we know that from Scripture. Would you know how to explain that? You should. I mean, when we pray in the Spirit, we speak mysterion. It is an ongoing progression of what God's mystery is. And that's primarily the way it comes in the New Testament. It doesn't come through studying or book learning. I mean, it comes through commune with God in this wonderful gift that he gave when the church was born. Imagine that. It'd be like you sending your kid to school and they left all their books and their lunch and everything at home. How's that kid functioning? I mean, how's the church functioning without the gift that the Father gave them on Pentecost? Do you know that a majority of the church in America doesn't believe in that gift? It's the truth. It's the truth anyway. It's there. I remember when we were in the beautiful African nation of Benin and um, our brother... Pastor Glaglanon was driving us, and we went past the siege of a, 
the headquarters of a, of a major Pentecostal movement, very dear and near to all of your hearts. And he said, I said, do you know this guy that's over this? I said, oh, yes, we're very, we're very good friends. He said he, he wanted to come to the meeting, but he had meetings in the north of the country. And, and he said he would have enjoyed this because you're speaking so much about tongue, unknown tongues and diversities of tongues. And I said, well, yeah, because that's what that movement was, was supposedly built on. He said, well, that's not really why he would enjoy it. He would enjoy it because he's told me on a number of occasions he can't get his pastors and most of the church to speak in tongues. And I thought, how can you be a movement that's based on that gift and 80% of your people aren't speaking in tongues? It was mystifying to me, but it really shouldn't be mystifying because the enemy wants to, to destroy that gift. So Mysterion there, the mystery of godliness, God built that capacity of communication into the ecclesia on the day of Pentecost. It's essential. And you go, you go through all of this, and Paul is saying, look, you're living it. Make sure that you're behaving in the church of God in this way. And if I tarry to come, it is to show whether you're embracing all of these things. These are essentials. And things can happen to shake, but we have to make sure, and ain't nobody going to do it for you, that that ground of the pillar of truth is secure. Because without the proper grounding, that pillar will not function. Without the proper precept, the line will not function. Without the establishment of what Abraham had as faith and belief in God upon which righteousness was counted, because if that doesn't happen, grace won't move. These are biblical truths. And I'm not preaching at anybody. This is an exhortation today. This is for all of us. And we, we have to say over this past season, has this been a time that has destroyed us? Has this been a time that has defined us? Or has this been a time where we become strengthened? And I believe that we become strengthened for the purpose of moving forward in grace in ways that have been ordained by God. Let's look at this next passage, Romans 10, verses 13 through 20. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in, whom, in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good, glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Isaiah said, Lord... Who has believed our report? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and said, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. Why this extended passage today? Because first of all, you have this mandate that we've got to go into all the world. And as we said last Sunday, this, the, the word from which beautiful is translated is, uh, is off of horeo, which is 
the, the time that God has ordained us. My time has not yet come. The time of the saints in the, in the end times is we're, we're preparing for it and we're about to move into it in a, in a bigger way than any of us imagined according to the timetable of God. And then Paul reminds them, you know what? Israel had this same calling, but they failed. And then Isaiah says, a nation that knew me not are going to be my representatives. No, we, we are part of that as the Gentile church, the tabernacle of David in these end times. I don't want another, another group raising up because I failed. I know you don't either. I want to be well done, thou good and faithful servant, is my declaration from God over my life. And I know that's what you want over you too. But the point for us is we've got to, to be a people who are willing to do whatever he says. Now, it's interesting too. I mentioned that, that passage in Isaiah since Paul references it here. Um, he says that um, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And then he goes into with a stammering lip and an unknown tongue. What a thing. And I, was, I was really looking at that whole passage and I discovered something about precept, which I just talked about. But I also discovered something about stammering in the Old Testament. And the, the word that basically became used to speak of somebody who had a speech impediment, that word was not initially used to describe that type of malady. It was just used to describe something that was mocked, something that was looked upon as foolishness, something that people would point their finger and, and make fun of because it, it really wasn't an attractive thing or it wasn't something that in the world it looked to be uh, acceptable. And then they took that term to describe a person who couldn't speak very well. But that wasn't how the word initially began. It was from the standpoint of standing out and being different and being mocked because of that. And I thought, you know, obviously Isaiah was prophesying about that and an unknown tongue. And, and I, I thought, that really is the case for anybody who is called to be Pentecostal. And certainly those that are called to speak in diversities of tongues. We used to say, I remember, man, every month we'd hear at least one sermon when I was growing up about how our distinction as being a people who spoke in other tongues made us to some degree stand out to the point where people would ridicule. And we'd hear stories about bottles being thrown against churches during the services and people being accused of being crazy and people being shunned because they believed in that. And there certainly was that factor for anybody, not just in speaking in tongues, but anybody who was willing to partner with God in that way at the risk of not being socially uh, acceptable. 
I, I wonder about that. Um, I mean, there still is, especially in this world that we're in right now, we've seen group after group be canceled because of this, because of that. And so far, people who speak in tongues have been, have been preserved to some degree recently. And um, at some point, the enemy who knows exactly how powerful that is, is going to come against those that are praying in diversities of tongues and making that a, a mainstay of emphasis that the people need to receive this, and here's why. And are, are, we, are we so absolutely foundationally built upon that gift from the Father that we will be ready to say, I'm not letting that go. I'm not letting that go. I, don't, I remember, I'm not trying to say I'm noble or anything. Many of you who were raised in, in the assemblies of God, you had this experience. I remember there was only one assembly of God in Pittsburgh when I was growing up, and we were in it. And that meant that at that time there wasn't any other church in that metropolitan area that, that believed in speaking in tongues. There were a lot of Catholics, a lot of Catholics. There were Eastern Orthodox, a lot of them. There were Baptists, there were lots of Presbyterians, there were lots of Lutherans, there were all these people, and then there were a bunch of American heathen. There were a lot of them. And when we would be in school, you know, people would, you know, my Catholic buddies and American heathen buddies and you know, all these other folks, they, we'd ask, the teacher would ask, where we go to church? Imagine that in, in, in school today. And when I said I went to this particular church, man, you talk about thinking you're a sore thumb. Good Lord. What you are you those people that believe that crazy stuff? You know, I've heard things about that, you know, and you're just oh God, just shoot me. You know, that's as a little kid would think, you know. I wasn't a firebrand, I didn't dress in a white suit with a red tie and carry a thumping Bible with me. But you know, at least at that point you, you took a stand. <laughs> what God has given us as saints is exceptional. And I guess what I'm saying is the emphasis that the Father has been really laying upon me over these past number of weeks is we, we're emerging. we got to get ready for what is being opened to us. The window that's going to be open is not going to last long, but it's going to be prolific. And then there will be a challenge to it. And we will, it, it's, it's just the pattern of the end times, the tossing back and forth with the waves. And it will, it will judge whether that rock that you have built upon is, is, is all that you know it should be. So I'm, I'm just saying from a couple of standpoints, perhaps prophetically, we need to take an evaluation point of our life and say, during this shaking period, have the essential things not only continued to be essential for me, but have they been functioning? And only you can answer that. And secondly, are we looking forward to the grace that's going to be built upon that? And the tremendous open door 
that is, is going to be made available? Are we going to be willing to run through it at that point? Here am I. Send me. That's what our mindset should be. We should be galvanizing ourselves and praying and praising into that right now. And, and we should be making the plans, the line-upon-line plans of, of what the Spirit is saying. I want to do this. I want to do this. And I've got pages of things that I feel God is wanting us to do. I'm trying not to get ahead of Him, but yet prophetically I see them. This new equipment is, is going to be a vehicle, a format to do a lot of those things. But there's going to be a lot of travel. There are going to be a lot of responsibilities placed upon you in the Lord. Good things. But we've got to, we've got to work for the night is coming. You ever wonder about that uh, prophetic passage about the vineyard when they've got, uh, you know, the guys that are initially hired and then the third hour and the sixth hour and the ninth hour and the eleventh hour and you've got the, the going out finding people that are idle in their histeme? Um, those are not just times on the clock, which they didn't have back then. They didn't have any clocks, you know. But those are segments of harvest. And, you know, we make a lot of fuss over, you know, the guys that say, hey, wait a second, I've been working all day. I'm getting paid the same as these guys are. We make a lot of emphasis of that. But I do think that there are segments of the harvest. Which one of them we're in, entering into, I don't know. I don't know. We, we may, we've certainly been in it. <laughs> And, and I believe we've seen God add some. We just had a whole continent be added, and then the enemy stopped the ability to go there. But we've still been reaching out to these folks in South America. And when that door opens again, it is going to be an incredible thing. You don't know how many words I receive every day from these pastors. I received one yesterday from a very dear brother, very dear brother, and I translated it out of Portuguese. He was saying about how the Spirit had just moved upon him through one of the things that was sent. And he was just weeping. And he said, I want you to know how much I love you and how hungry we are to see you and the saints. This is happening all over the place. This is indicative of those that God found idle in the histeme. And he's saying, come and work in the vineyard. I want them to have the same blessing we have. I'm not saying we should get more than you do. Uh, that's something that is inherent to that parable. But how many of those happen before the night comes and nobody can work? We've got to get out there and go, and we're going to. But we've got to be faithful and strong in the Lord because that's what grace comes off of. That's how that grounding is what that pillar operates on. That line upon line of the, of the structure of God and His extension is, is what, what uh, the, the precept is, is necessary for that to be. And it's, it's a good thing. So I'm just saying we're looking to what's coming while we're evaluating are we prepared for it in the Lord scripturally? It's not of works. It's of principles. These principles aren't works. They're the way God moves. It's His rule book. 
And it's everywhere in the scripture. So it's not of works, but it sure is of his principles. I mean, that's what God judges things by. Uh, Jesus said, you remember when he went and when he would teach to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees would have all these scriptures, and then Jesus would say, well, what about this and what about that? And the people say, ah, oh, here's someone that's speaking the same scriptures but with power. We've got to be that, and we are that. So I, I'm really trying to bring the, the word that I feel God is giving us for exhortation. And it, it's a good word. But it's saying we're about to emerge from this time where there has been a lot of shaking. And we are embracing what cannot be moved so that we have grace. And that, that word there, asilueo, that's, uh, that's, that's a, it's a great word. <laughs> and we, we must say, Lord, I'm embracing the things that cannot be shaken. I'm treasuring them in you. These things that you've given to me as a son that really, I, I'd say the most important is, and I'm speaking to the church here. Now, if I was speaking just to the world, I'd say, if you've not accepted Jesus as your Savior, that is the essential of all essentials. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. And from that, you move forward, as the writer of the Hebrews says. You know what? I'm not just going to dwell here in initial things. We're moving forward and growing in God. And so I would say for the saints, born-again believers, what are the essential things of that identity, that biblical identity in God? And are we preserving those? Now, again, what I don't want to happen is some of you to say, well, you know, gee shucks, you know, yeah, I've let this go. God, I'm just so sorry. And then you go through a period of, oh, woe is me for three weeks. That's not what I'm saying. You know, the beauty of it is, is that when God, when God touches us in that area, he says, come to me. It's not a time to mourn the fact that for six months you haven't been doing them or for however long a period of time we may not have been. It's, God has no pleasure in that. He says, come. He says, come. And this is, this is a good thing. It's still real early here. I could let you go, but it's pouring down rain outside. It'll ruin what your beauty operator has done to your hair. You don't need to go out in this rain. So I should just keep talking. So anyway, God, is, uh, God has put us in a great place. I am very excited about what's coming. And I, I'm very thankful that we are preparing for it now, but our preparations are based upon uh, this, these foundational things. See, isn't that great? I am going to end here. But God gives you these foundational places to stand. You build upon them. And then the waves come, and the rain comes, and the wind blows. And you, you have built on that thing that is unshakable, and you know it is. I don't understand why the wind blew that way. I don't understand why houses around us collapsed. I don't understand that. But I'm grateful for this rock. And from that then, line upon line comes, and from that 
and grace comes. And we're needing that. That is a prophetic, what comes after the testing? What comes after that, that galvanizing of what is unshakable? What comes next? Well, according to the scripture, grace. According to the scripture, the stelos of the Lord. According to the scripture, the line upon line. According to the scripture, an expansion. That's what we're facing. And it's a good thing. So let's understand that. And let's do everything we can, not for that purpose, but for what your eternal purpose is and your function. Come before God. He loves you. He, he gave this to you. He understands the beating of the pressures that come. He, he's, he's allowed it in his timetable. But it's not too late to reaffirm those things that are so readily believed among the saints and to be strengthened in them. And through that, then, we're going to be welcoming what God is going to do, and we will be ready to, to move forth in it. And it's, it's an interesting thing. It's like we, we were looking at the book of Job in Sunday school today. And, you know, that measure of, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I, I was very interested in what Cece brought about how, you know, we've talked about when the enemy comes. I said I was going to end, didn't I, Tammy? I'm launching into another sermon here. Every time I start to end, it rains harder, and I think, okay, Lord, that's an amen from you. I'm going to keep going. It's only 10 after 12. So, um, but the enemy was interested in the hedge that Job was, but he says that weird thing. Twice he says it to God. You do this and this and see if this guy will not curse you to your face, and he uses that term Barak. But in those two times, it's the only two times in the Word where there is a negative attached to Barak. There's a negative prefix to it. And what the enemy was saying, you know, I've been looking at this guy. You put a hedge around him. He stood in the gap here. But I also see that this guy knows how to kneel before you to be commissioned as a son. And if you do these things to him, that thing is going to be tested. And this time, instead of kneeling before you to say, I'm willing to be served, he's going to kneel before you and say, what good has this done? Job never did that. In fact, after his family was destroyed, you notice that he knelt before God. He barocked before God, and he said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. He was absolutely affirmed in that. You're affirmed in that. You, no matter what's been happening, it's our privilege to continue to kneel before God knowing that he is commissioning us for the things that he put us on this earth to do. And that's essential. The enemy hates those two things. That this man, Job, stood in the gap and was a model of what God wanted for humanity on this earth. And there was a hedge around him for that. But the other thing that the enemy contested was that kneel before the Father. And to have that relationship where God commissioned. And the only two times where there was a negative prefix to it was Satan saying that to God. Well, thank God, neither one of those happened. And Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. There's been a lot of crazy things going on in this past year. 
A lot of blessings, a lot of good things. But have we emerged from it saying, I am still on my face before God. I am still praying in diversities of tongues. I'm still studying and learning the Word. I am still kneeling before God to be that son that he needs. Though he slayed you, though the winds and waves of things going on all around you, even things personally that affected some of your families that are not inherent with COVID, but yet you've remained faithful and you have to know that your Heavenly Father is looking at that. And He's saying, look at that one there. Look at that one. They still trust in Me. That sets the stage for grace and breakthrough and blessing to where Job's end result was much better than when he began. That's not our motive. Our motive is found in the journey and trusting God. Boy, it's just raining harder now. I need to break into another sermon. No. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for your reign. I thank you for the reign of your spirit, the former and the latter that you're pouring out in this time. I thank you for the wonderful privilege of partnering with you. And I pray that you would cause every saint, every person hearing this exhortation to come before you within this next day and say, Father, I thank you. And I'm doing an evaluation of the things that are most precious to me and you. And I'm making sure that I am firmly established in that so that I'm positioned to move forward with you in grace and to be participant in what is being built from this point in righteousness by you. You're counting this as righteousness, and I want to be accountable in that. I speak blessing over the calling you've given us. I speak blessing over every house of the saints, over every individual placement. And I ask you that you'll provide for your people, that you'll bring healing, you'll bring supply, you'll bring measure of, of prophetic identity and understanding, and let us be found faithful. Thank you for this privilege. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. Again, I began by saying it's a privilege to partner with you in the Lord. And let's continue to move forward in Him. Have a great day. Thanks for joining. Bye, everybody.